making a difference. We're Shays. So what are you going up there for? You know how this is going to turn out, don't you? Nope. I think you do. So this is what I'll offer. You bring me the money and I'll let her go. Otherwise, she's accountable. The same as you. That's the best deal you're going to get. I won't tell you you can save yourself. Because you can't. Life's the same. I'm moving in stereo. Life's the same. Except for my shoes. Life's the same. You're shaking like tremble. Life's the same. It's all inside you. We kick off season 15 with a best picture winner and one of my favorite movies. This is, of course, the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin. Smuggling the jokes is my co-host, Jim. Hello. That was my Anton. That was... Is that about Anton? What is his accent? Javier Bardem is Spanish, correct? Yeah. Is he a different form of Spanish? Because I that is the weirdest yeah. accent. He. It's funny because when they cast him in this movie, he basically was like, why? He's like, I can't drive. My English is terrible. <laughs> he's like, why? why? But he's so goddamn scary Incredible. One in this of the movie. best performances of all time. Scary. With the Amish haircut. Yes. This is pretty amazing. Uh, it's a great honor for me to have this. I want to... I have to speak fast here, man. Thank you to the Coins for being crazy enough to think that I could do that and put one of the most horrible haircuts on history over my head. <laughs> Thank you for really improving my work. I want to share this with the cast, with the great uh, Tommy Lee Jones, with the great Josh Brolin, with the great Kelly McDonald. And I want to dedicate this to my mother. I have to say this in Spanish. I'm sorry. Mamá, esto es para ti. Esto es para tus abuelos, para tus padres, Rafael y Matilde. Esto es por los cómicos de España que han traído como tú la dignidad y el orgullo a nuestro oficio. Esto es para España y esto es para todos vosotros. Thank you very much. Which was inspired by the Cohen brothers. They found photos of patrons of a brothel from that time period. Random. And they found like one guy who had that haircut and they're like, Dorothy, Dorothy Hamill. Uh, <laughs> Also taking home best director, best screenplay for the Coen brothers and best supporting actor for Javier Bardem. We are talking 2007 neo-Western crime thriller, No Country for Old Men, based on the 2005 Cormac McCarthy book of the same name. I still haven't finished Blood Meridian for those. Oh, that's right. You are waiting about it. for me. I'm more than halfway through it. I read it a chapter at a time. Do you like it? I don't know. I mean, it is interesting. <laughs> That's how I felt throughout this movie. You get to a certain point, and we'll talk about it later, where I'm like, oh, this is good. I don't know. <laughs> no Country for Old Men was released in 2007. Again, the book, 2005. Producer Scott Rudin, who I think we talk about quite a bit, he bought the rights. He suggested the adaptation to the Coens. They didn't change much from the book. I mean, they pretty much stuck to the book. Another legendary film that was beat out of Best Picture by No 
Country for Old Men was There Will Be Blood by Paul Thomas Anderson. Coincidentally, the Coens lost an entire day of filming because There Will Be Blood was being shot at the same time in the same place. Okay, so I don't feel stupid for grouping these movies together. No, same year, same, same. filming location. So Marfa, Texas. There was smoke from shot in There Will Be Blood, which invaded all of the Coen Brothers shots. So they had to cancel an entire day of filming to allow the smoke to clear. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. He was method acting. Uh, yeah, he was just smoking a, a cigar, a pipe. This is film nerd stuff that's uncommon, but the Coen Brothers only shot 250,000 feet of film. Only. Most movies shoot 750,000 to a million feet. I guess that's reflecting that these dudes really know what they're doing and how to keep production tight because that's a third of what's common. Another uncommon thing for modern movies, and, and it really works in this one, Jim, I'm curious to know if you even noticed, absence of music. Yeah, I noticed that right off the bat, nothing. Large, but made it better. Yeah. Made it better, weirdly enough. No score. And it like it's at parts, it's considered music. But this, again, is film nerd stuff. There actually is a score in scenes, but they literally just did humming at the same frequency of a refrigerator. And that's called a it's called right. a score. But in some scenes, you don't really notice it's probably subliminal. There's just a humming. I mean, track eight on the album. I love Kitchen Air Hum with Anton Chigurh. Yeah, just so including the end credits, only 16 minutes of music. Saved money. Total. Yeah. Save money. Well, I think they still paid for a score and they just didn't use it. Like a fucking hosed. Man, the soundtrack's killer on this one. Uh, <laughs> Jim, with the accolades and awards, we know what critics thought, but did anyone go see it in theaters? Please give us budget. Box office news number one's the time of release. From WUAB Channel 43, where the news comes first, this is the 10 o'clock news. Welcome, Pool Seniors, to season number 15, and we are here covering No Country for Old Men came out November the 9th, 2007 to a $25 million budget and made $172 million at the box office. Pretty impressive, Damn, man. Damn, son. $172 million for this. Because as a first-time viewer of this movie, once again, I get shit on again for being the first-time viewer of this and the next movie we'll be covering, but it was one of those movies where I could see people getting to a certain point in this movie going, uh, because it's such a different movie like you, you talked about there's no music there's different tones to this goddamn javier bardem just made this movie and it reflects in the rotten tomatoes being 93 percent based on 288 reviews averaging an 8.7 out of 10 rightfully so we'll talk about it too later i'm alluding to it but at one point throughout this movie i'm like i'm rating this this movie's a fucking nine eight it's a nine eight nine nine movie then a certain part happens kevin's brought it up on the podcast and i texted him i'm like that would bring it down to like an eight for me because <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing, Cohen Brothers? And now I want to do something different here at season 15. I want to throw it off to the man. We always go ladder off in the news. I said ladder instead of later. Why? Different season, different fun. Welcome. Damn Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. Five-time Grand Slam tennis winner Martina Hingis. I'm a five-time Grand Slam eater at Denny's. 
We got Denny's a couple weeks ago. They fucked up the order. How? I can't remember. They forgot to include. I think it was something with Angela's. I can't remember what it was, but I got moons over my hammy. And then the gift card they sent us because she, you know, sent an email and complained. Oh, we'll oh, give you a gift, gift card. Doesn't cover the moons over my hammy. What? It's a part of a different subdivision of the menu. I'm like, I just want to fucking another moons uh, over my hammy. There. So we went to Austin Town, got Denny's back after a, a years long hiatus. We went and had some of the worst service in the history of restaurants. We sat in a section. We watched a waitress continually going to a table across from us, getting people refills and their food and checking on them. Meanwhile, we sat a while. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Go up to the counter and I'm like, hey, guys, we've been sitting here for like 20 minutes. Hey, guys, how you doing? No one's come to our table. Like, what's going on? We're so sorry. And they're like, oh, we're sorry. We don't know where he's at. Somebody comes to our table and is like, hey. Hey, can we get you some drinks? Like he's in the bathroom and we're like, what? Why would you tell us that? Yeah. I don't need to know the dude has diarrhea. So anyway, they told us he was in the bathroom. He got his drinks. And I was like, Hey, can I just go ahead? Cause like they got his drinks and then another 20 minutes passed. And I was like, I walked in to where the, this is going on too long, but I walked into where the waitresses and servers were. I just walked in and was like, yeah. we want to order. Can we order? And somebody comes to our table. They ended up giving us like the Chi Chi's birthday when our food was done. Birthday. They had like out. four different servers bring each of our plates out. Hopefully they didn't give you scallions. I know. <laughs> get that pay. I didn't get a gift card, but I was like, I even, when I left, I was like, look guys, like the food was good. Everything was good. I was like, but what the, like what? Come on. Yeah. I mean, this is insane. And you're like a new restaurant. It's crazy. I mean, they're a new old. Yes. New old they're back, but, but all new people, all new management and stuff. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've gone to a Denny's and went, wow, there's nowhere to sit. Yes. Has there been a time? Yes. 20 years ago when I was like in college age and you'd go to hang out at Denny's at like After midnight. midnight. Yeah. And it would be packed. Denny's works for me because after the club scene, I'm all about the bacon scene, the sausage scene, and the moons over Miami scene. Mm. How about the extreme Grand Slam scene? Just $5.99. Denny's works for me. And then the servers would fucking hate you oh, for yeah. being drunk pieces yeah. of shit. That's one of the worst jobs in America, probably. Moons over my hammy. Probably one of the best hangover foods oh, ever. Oh, yeah, everything at Denny's, man. God damn. Dude. You can't really go wrong. Like, no. I I'd I, I was, wouldn't get a steak at Denny's, no, but that's just I, me. But can you even do that? I think you steak and eggs. Yeah. I used to go, I, I mean, when I'd go to Denny's, I would always almost like regret everything I got because everything looked good because I usually go to Denny's in a state of intoxication Yeah, and, or, you know, so everything things always real good and and i'm like i like that um super birds good how do we make denny's best-selling sandwich we take tender oven roasted breast of turkey tangy sizzling bacon plump ripe tomatoes and mellow swiss cheese pile it on thick french bread grill it to a golden brown and serve it with french fries denny's super bird sandwich on special this month for only 2.69 but only at denny's where you'll like our prices and you'll love our food Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That's good shit. Get the super bird. Like the home fries? Yeah. Or do they consider those home fries? The Like the little cut potato squares? I think so. And they have Same hash thing. browns. They have like... Put some ketchup on this son, bitch. Can't do wrong. They used to have the wavy fries. I don't know if I they remember that. Do. I don't know if they do either. But the one thing that, you know, maybe Martina Hingis need to look at, did her underarms look like steak? Because... <laughs> She never shaved her armpits. I will always oh, really? remember. I remember this as a kid. I was watching Wimbledon. I used to watch fucking tennis a lot. I love Pete Sampras. But I remember she went for a serve once and like 
there was the hair. I was like, oh, God. Uh, I dig it, Carl Hungus. <laughs> but here's the thing. Because of her armpits, she tested positive for cocaine during Wimbledon. She maintained her innocence, retired from tennis, which, listen, you got busted for cocaine. I did not take cocaine. Immediately retires, which makes you think, you probably yeah. Slow a little cocaine. Yeah. She also had no desire for a fight with the anti-doping authorities. Yeah. She uh, yeah. Lance Armstronged herself through. Uh, well, maybe she'll make a comeback at the enhanced games. Ah, oh, dude, I am so excited it's, uh, for Mar- enhanced games. It's Carl Hungus under the influence of cocaine <laughs> versus uh, Monica Sellis with a knife sticking out of her. Oh, uh, that was crazy. You remember watching Sellis get stabbed out of nowhere? Uh, yeah. One of the why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Literally. Yeah. A guy who's not aged even a skosh or maybe a little bit but like a fine wine people's magazine names matt damon the sexiest man alive oh man that's he's that brooding sexy he's an okay looking guy hey you gotta figure right after this the departed came out a year before yeah i'd still never call matt damon world sexiest man at any point every time i see matt damon i think of what's his name from cky doing the matt damon impression you know i'm talking about god damn what was his name on to news kurt welcome to season one Hi, I'm Kurt Loder with an MTV News Brief. And I think this is relevant right here, what's going on with Beyonce announced the country album. Yeah. And in the news, Beyonce and Sugarland performed a country version of her number one song, Irreplaceable, at the American music awards i guess a lot of people are in an uproar that beyonce wants to do a christian i'm sorry a christian album whatever country album same thing uh pretty much she's gonna join rab himself who did the man that's it rab himself so yeah i the singer of sugarland i I think her name's nancy bonkers her uh i love nancy bonkers her voice is nails on a chalkboard to me it's jennifer nettles is her name oh yeah okay nails on a chalkboard i'm like who made this person famous it's a it's an awful tone now be begging you baby beg you not to leave yeah i'm not a big fan of uh the country music as most of you know here on the podcast and finally time magazine named the new apple invention called the iphone the best invention of the year that might end up going down as the best invention of the fucking century or the worst an ipod A phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, today Apple is going to reinvent the phone. Yeah, depending on how you look I mean, at it. iPhone, great. The stuff on our iPhone, not so great. The worst invention in history. I will. Facebook. Say. You know what's crazy? You look back on that first iPhone, now you're like, man, that fucking thing was small. Yeah, I still have most of them. They're probably leaking chemicals into my home. Probably. I have my 5S still with the uh, the battery that's still quite expanded. But yeah. what am I going to fucking do with it now? My kids play with one. It's got it's like the rounded sort of back. Oh, line. I remember that. It's like it's the 3G. Flat screen, but like a round plastic back. Yeah. We've come a long way we have a long long way but one person that hasn't actually a couple hit the little news of the weird that was legitness yeah okay got him wait a minute who are you oh my god i would love to say nascar winston cup champion 
Fuck it. Saying it. Former NASCAR Winston Cup champion Martin Truex Jr. was caught urinating on a car when a Volusia County officer asked whether the relief was worth a $100 fine. Truex responded, it is worth $100 and held out a $100 bill. He was charged with disorderly intoxication. I I love the name Martin Truex Jr. Jr. I always think about him like if you had to use an alias Martin Truex Jr. I want to check into a hotel. I'm Martin Truex Jr. It's the best fucking Truex, have you ever heard of anyone else other than Martin Truex Sr. who's Truex. The only other time I've heard the word true, actually the name Truex in Grumpy Old Men and Margaret's character, her last name was Truex, Ariel Truex. Whoa, that's an interesting deep name. cut. It reminds me of like a brand of work gloves. Like, Truex gloves? I got my Truex gloves. At True Value. Yeah, at True Value. Yeah, it's True Value store brand Truex, Truex. gloves. It's like Best Buy Insignia. Yes, exactly. Got a Truex TV. Truex is a good name, but here's another good name. A doctor carrying a burrito and dressed as Captain America was arrested in Melbourne after grabbing a woman at a bar and fighting with her boyfriend. So that'd be interesting. How would you feel if uh, a random doctor carrying a burrito dressed as Captain America just got arrested at a bar grabbing a girl's boyfriend? Uh, <laughs> would we know they were a doctor? So it, I would love if he's, he has a stethoscope and he's still half Captain America, half doctor. Damn it, I'm a doctor. Uh, all we would know is Captain America with a burrito. I wish he had a fucking burrito. Instead of the shield, it's a burrito. Uh-huh. Steve Rogers, burrito man. The mugshot of a 41-year-old woman arrested in Tampa. Go figure. Say no more. On DUI charges, displayed her t-shirt, which read, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a drunk. Alcoholics go to meetings. But Perfect. That's a Florida woman, not Florida man. Florida woman. Florida woman. You know, the Florida man and Florida woman thing is a myth a little bit because Florida doesn't have a disproportionate. I'm not defending Florida here. I hate Florida. Yeah, but nobody should ever. Florida gets has a disproportionate amount of Florida man and Florida woman stories because of the Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. Because everything in Florida is available for public consumption, much like this woman. Unfortunately. Public consumption. But, yeah. uh, but in other states, you know, some of those things are a little bit more under wraps. So you've got FOIA. The thing for that. And then finally, a substitute teacher got in trouble in the Orlando, once again, Orlando, for bringing a handgun on school property. It was discovered when someone was reporting he was using the gun to scratch his head while pulling into the parking lot. Genius. That's a fucking, if you could not think of a more Florida thing, and literally we just had another fucking bit of gun stuff with the Kansas City parade. So it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. But one thing you will not have ever talk about a gun or anytime seeing a gun was during your number one movie in America and it was the B movie. Whoa! The B movie was number one for one week. It's a movie with Jerry Seinfeld that's more of, it's a courtroom drama for kids. Which, you put it like that, it's like, okay. It's like a court, it's like a court. Victoria Justice. Yeah, it's like a courtroom drama. Which I thought, am I wrong? Or maybe you don't know, was Victoria Justice the show on Nickelodeon about her being like a kid lawyer? Victorious? Yeah, is it Victoria Justice? This victorious. I don't know. I, I love the movie Fun Size with Victoria Justice. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Let's it, look it up. I'll look it up. Listen, and keep talking. maybe that's one of those things that could be an ingenious idea. It could push kids towards becoming an attorney after they get slimed and go to college. <laughs> they become kid attorney. Probably completely wrong. Okay. All right. Victorious is an American sitcom created by Dan Schneider, originally aired oh, on Nickelodeon. Fucking Dan Schneider. The series revolves around aspiring singer Tori Vega, a teenager who attends performing arts high school called Hollywood Arts High School. I'm way off. No lawyers. No lawyer. Well, it is Victoria Justice. I mean, it writes itself. So now I'm Googling child lawyer show. (laughs) 
and we're going to see if Jim's there on. There should be something. like a junior night court, right? Um, there is a show called The Guardian okay. from 2001 to 2004. Nick Fallon is a hotshot lawyer working at his father's ultra successful Pittsburgh law firm. Hoping you were going to say Tommy Wiseau. It's not Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau as a kid lawyer. You're tearing me apart. I just had Tommy Wiseau's voice pop into my head after revealing the number one song in the United States. Soldier Boy, tell him. Soldier Boy, I'm in it. Oh. Why me crack it? Why me roll? Why me crack that Soldier Boy? That Superman. That, oh. Now why me you? Crack that Soldier Boy. Now why me you? Crack that Soldier Now why me you? Crack that Soldier Boy. Now why me you? Ooh. Fucking great song. That dance. Kiss Me Through the Phone is a better song. It's a better song. Not a better dance. Song. No. The Soldier Boy is one of those things I think will stand the test of time. It's oh, a yeah. great line dance. And that's all that was going on in Florida, Tampa, Orlando, Melbourne, and a Denny's near you. Let's go and find out what Sugar likes to eat. And back in Carl Hungus's armpits full of cocaine. Uh, <laughs> even though they didn't write this one, this movie is very similar to Fargo from the Coen brothers. Never saw it. Oh my God. <laughs> Come on. Very similar to this, Jim, except yeah. for, and Carl Hungus, the actor who plays Carl Hungus, what's his name? Oh, oh, Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare is in Fargo. All right. So full circle. Yeah, it takes place in Fargo. So it's had deep snow. Francis McDormand, great movie. All right, let's shoot a bolt into the plot. I thought it was a car fire. It is a car fire. Wendell said there's something in the back country too. Up in there. When's the county going to start paying a rental on my horse? I love you more and more every day. That's very nice. Be careful. Always am. Don't get hurt. Never do. Don't hurt no one. you say so. It's 1980 in Texas. A hitman, hot gun, named Anton Chigurh is in police custody. Hi, Anton. <laughs> You're cute with that hair. He strangles the police officer and then uses an air-powered captive bolt pistol to kill a motorist so he can steal his car. Howdy. What's this about? Step out of that car, please, sir. What is that? I need you to step out of that car, sir. What is that Would for? You? Would you hold still, please, sir? When he's choking out the cop, that shot, the look on his face, the look on his face the whole time, but it's just that one shot of the cop on the phone and you just see him just get yeah. out of this shit. I was about ready for him to go, I'm coming. <laughs> it's fantastic. So we've got double murder, Grand Theft Auto, I guess resisting arrest, but then he at least spares the life of a gas station attendant who correctly guesses Sugar's coin toss. His whole deal is call it. Yeah. He flips a coin. Call it. Meanwhile, Llewellyn Moss is hunting in the desert when he comes across the remnants of a drug deal gone wrong. Basically, it's a bunch of dead bodies, dead dogs, drugs, and oh, $2 million in a briefcase. So he was just out hunting deer for shits and gigs, right? And he just came out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just spotted the uh, the standoff, the shootout. Because I'm watching and just seen this movie before. So I'm inquisitive the whole time. I'm like, what does he do for fucking work? Like, you don't yeah. really know what this guy does. Yeah, he they do reveal his job. Do they reveal yeah, his? Because, oh, that's right. They do because he was looking yeah. for him. That's right. Yep. Also, there's a wounded man begging for agua water. He's in the truck. He's agua in glaze. Yeah, one of the guys in the shootout. Llewellyn yoinks the money, goes home. He starts feeling guilty, not about taking the money, but about the wounded man. He's only human. So he returns to the scene with agua to find the guy with a bullet through the skull. Two men in a truck chase him, but he makes it to a river, eluding them. At home, he tells his wife, Carla Jean, to go 
stay with her mom. He takes a taxi to Del Rio and stashes the briefcase in a motel room air duct. Imagine if he would have zigged and zagged like Ricky would have zigged and zagged. Yeah. He would have been shot. Ricky! Our coin tossing psycho from the beginning, Anton Shagor, is hired to recover the money. He breaks into Llewellyn's house, doesn't find him. Shagor tracks him. I keep calling it Shagor. It's Shagur. Yeah. Tracks him to the motel. And it's a weird way to spell it, too. And kills a group of Mexicans who have also tracked Llewellyn there. Through a second room, Llewellyn's able to retrieve the money from the air ducts. We meet County Sheriff Ed Tom Bell, who's a step behind investigating the break-in at the Moss residence. What a name. Ed, Ed Tom. Tom. Llewellyn Allen moves to a hotel at the border town of Eagle Pass, where he figures out there's a tracking device, a transponder. However, it's too late. Shigur is already there. There's a shootout in the streets. Moss gets shot, but gets into Mexico, which is awesome. It's pretty cool. And stashes the money. I say stashes, <laughs> but by stashes the money along the Rio Grande, he <laughs> throws the briefcase of money over a fence next to the river. And how did nobody come across it? A passing band sees him severely injured and takes him into the hospital. When Llewellyn awakes in the hospital, Carson Wells is there. I'm not sure what exactly we call Carson Wells. A hired hand, but sort of like the inverse of Shiger. He's like a like a hitman, but like for I good. I thought he was almost like a bounty hunter. I think that's probably right. Maybe yeah. he's like a bounty hunter. He's dog. He's dog. Uh, Leland. The camera. You know Anton Shiger by sight? Is that correct? Yes, yeah, sure. I know him every which way. When did you last see him? Uh, November 28th last year. Seemed pretty sure of the date. Did I ask you to sit? No, sir, but you struck me as a man who wouldn't want to waste a chair. I remember dates, names, numbers. I saw him November the 28th. Just how well do you know Shigur? What do you want to know? I just want to know your opinion of him in general. Just how dangerous is he? Compared to what, the bubonic plague? He's bad enough you called me. Now, he's a psychopathic killer, but so what? There's plenty of them around. Baby Lisa. Wells tells Llewellyn he can protect him in exchange for return of the money. Llewellyn's like, nah, I like money. Shiger ambushes Wells, kills him after a pretty civil conversation, which is very hard to understand. Very civil. You couldn't understand it either? No. I was like, what the fuck is he saying? No, that's a movie. That's, I watched this movie a couple times and finally I was like, I gotta subtitle this screen. Because he basically tells him like, Wells basically says, I live by a code and Anton's like, if you live by a code and it still brought you here, what good is the code? Basically. Moss calls Wells' room to maybe backtrack or bargain but Shigur answers and is like I'm gonna kill your wife I'm gonna kill your mom I'm gonna kill your mailman I'm gonna kill the doctor who birthed you I'm gonna kill everyone else with the first or last name Llewellyn or Moss don't play with my money basically what he really tells him is look you're dead there's sorry no, yeah there's, there's no there's no negotiation you're dead but you can save your wife and uh your life for your wife basically Moss retrieves his muddy river money and arranges to meet up with his wife where he's going to have her hide out with the money, but Carla Jean's mom, Llewellyn's mother-in-law, fucks up and gives up their location. His wife is dumb as shit. Carla Jean? She's so just a simpleton. Yeah. Well... I don't know where to go! We'll get to it later, but I'm pretty sure in the book, Llewellyn's 30 and she's 16. Sheriff Bell reaches the location to see a truck speeding off, finds Moss dead in his room. Carla arrives and knows only from the look on Bell's
girl's face that uh, her husband is dead. This is where I went from a 9.9. This was the scene that you were like, you're going to figure it out. Yeah. Texted you immediately. I'm like, you have a guy, you're setting up this entire movie to go cat and mouse. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you kill him off screen to the biggest, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah. Moment. Yep. So you- dumb. Yep, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we uh, will. For sure. Bell returns to the crime scene, sees that the room's lock has been blown out just as it was at Lou Ellen's house. He sees the vent cover removed, knowing the money is gone. Bell visits his uncle Ellis, who is a lawman. Bell tells Ellis he's going to retire because he can't keep up, feels overmatched. Weeks later, Carla returns home from her mother's funeral to find Anton Chigurh in her bedroom. He offers her the coin toss deal to save her life. She refuses, saying it's still his choice. It's implied that she's also killed off screen but that one but is he, different he steps out of the house and he looks at the bottom he of checks his shoes booze, which is always something he does i like that but we don't know for sure other than again like jim said sugar checks the bottom of his boots sugar gets in a car accident while leaving the neighborhood he's injured but flees retired sheriff bell tells his wife about two dreams he's had in one he lost money that his dad gave him in the other he was riding with his father through a snowy mountain pass where his dad goes ahead to make a fire and wait for him cut to black weird ending yeah characters tommy lee jones is Ed Tom Bell. Paramount's attorney screwed up his contract. They ended up having to pay him $17.5 million after he sued them. Whoops. They drew up his contract incorrectly. Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurh. A very bad what if in film history. Javier Bardem almost dropped out due to scheduling. Mark Strong was on standby. Mark Strong is solid, but he wasn't going to do all that. Who is Mark? I don't know who Mark Strong is. Uh, Was he in anything of any significance? Yes, he is, but we'd have to look. He's no Javier Bardem. Mark Strong probably most known for the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, John Carter from Mars. Actually, I think it's just John Carter, Zero Dark Thirty. Yikes. He's seen him. You've seen him in stuff. He's a character actor, but nothing, of, um, not a lead. By all that, I mean the most clinical portrayal of a psychopath ever. Anton Sugar, Javier Bardem nails it. Oh. He is the textbook psychopath. The and he also has had two of the worst haircuts in movie history, this and Skyfall. Oh, God, you're right. Yep. Josh Brolin is Llewellyn Moss. Heath Ledger turned down the role to spend time with his newborn daughter. Wow. In hindsight, that's debilitatingly sad. The Coens weren't really that interested in Brolin. So Brolin went to Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, who was he, he was working with on Grindhouse. House. They helped him make a demo reel that helped enough. Brolin almost screwed it up too. He crashed his motorcycle and broke his shoulder two days before filming started. Christ. Good thing in his case, his character gets shot in the shoulder in the first scene. That was a good way to cover Our it then. first sequence, basically. Yeah. yeah. Woody Harrelson is Carson Wells. Gone too soon. Way <laughs> too soon. He gets introduced and then he's, he's dead pretty quickly. Kelly McDonald is Carla Jean Moss. In the book, Lou Allen's 36, she's 19. So 36 Ooh. and 19. It's legal, but And still. they've been married for three years. So okay. 33 nope. and 16. Nope. Seems off even for 1980. Yeah, no. Garrett Dill Hunt as Wendell. He auditioned for Llewellyn five times. I don't know if they were just trying to see, like, just give us something. We like, need please. more Llewellyn. And they just never landed on him, but he got the role as Wendell. Tess Harper as Loretta Bell. You'd recognize her oh, in yeah. all kinds of stuff. Steven Root as the man who hires Wells. Another throwaway. Yeah, very gone too soon. Jim, which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character still see? I mean, it's, it's Javier Bardem. Yeah. You got no cause to hurt me. No. But I gave my word. You gave your word? To your husband. That don't make sense. 
You gave your word to my husband to kill me? Your husband had the opportunity to save you. Instead, he used you to try to save himself. I told you, he played almost a Michael Myers archetype. That's a perfect analogy. Because he's, I mean, granted, he has the tracker to track the money. But even without that tracker, all I heard in my head was the Halloween theme. Yeah. He just knew exactly where he was at any given time yeah. and knew what he needed to do to get the point across. He is so Michael Myers. He outmires Michael Myers. Yeah. He is phenomenal. I would say it's everyone. I love the lady in the trailer park office yes sir i'm looking for llewellyn moss did you go up to his trailer yes i did well i'd say he's at work do you want to leave a message where does he work i can't say where does he work sir i ain't at liberty to give out no information about our residence where does he work did you not hear me we can't give out no information. Oh, she's good. We're not allowed to give out no information. <laughs> she's just stand, she stands up to Anton Chigurh more than anyone else in this movie. The gas station guy's really good too. Yeah, yeah. I gotta know what I stand to lose. Where, where, are, you, uh, where are you from? The trailer park lady. She's that. Like again, we've talked about this. That's just one of those Coen Brothers characters. Yeah. They're just in every movie. They just find like a peculiar person to play a throw. She's been walking around the town. But then the, I think this is the first time we've ever done this. I've got to pick an inanimate object which is that bolt gun the cattle bolt gun i never knew something like that existed yeah that's how they kill cattle, cattle. and but like seeing this thing is and it, at the time no one knew the mainstream did not know what that was he turns on the little gas tank or air tank yeah he holds it up the one guy he's like can you clean those chicken crates out of the back of your truck <laughs> so good and then the other guy i think it's a different guy he tells him like look right at me yeah like when he pulls a guy yeah. over the side of the road yeah but boy does that thing perfect perfectly fit a lock oh it's awesome it's great perfect all right let's move on to best scenes jim first timer go ahead and give us first one god damn anton at the gas station yeah sir the most you ever lost a coin toss i don't know i couldn't say call it call it yes for what just call it well we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been traveling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. Right off the bat, man, he's asking the guy, where is he from? What makes the gas station guy sell this to is he's nervous. Yeah. Because he's just trying to be friendly. And then he's like, we got to close. Yeah, we got to close. What time you close? What do you got to? That's horrible. Time you close. What time do you go to bed? Sir? You're a bit deaf, aren't you? I said, what time do you go to bed? Oh. Somewhere around 930. I'd say around 930. I could come back then. Why would you be coming back? We'll be closed. Yeah, you said that. He fucks himself because he basically, nine o'clock. Yeah. And then he looks outside real quick. He's like, hey, me close. So I, I'm getting ready to close now. And then he starts going on, where are you from? Just as he's eating nuts. Like yeah. he hasn't paid for his nuts yet. Constantly eating these nuts. And I was distracted slightly by Yeah, it. and he just puts the wrapper on the counter. He just puts the wrapper down and then does the coin flip. Mm -hmm. You call it. Why? What, what's what's the stakes about? Call it. And that's all he kept yeah. saying is call it. Call it. It's like, God damn, this guy is a psychopathic and, mother. And he's, he's very like, 
like just every the way he says it the whole scene is just condescending because he's like basically this is what you chose to do and yeah. he's like well i married into it he's like this is what you married into like but it's monotone yes. condescension no, no reaction he doesn't break yes. he is so fucking good uh so i have llewellyn hunting and then stumbling upon the drug deal gone bad you ain't got no armor you speak english where's the last guy Oh, to my ombre, last man standing. There must have been one. Where'd he go? I reckon I'll go out the way I come in. Cierra la puerta. Ay, Lord. Lobos. Incredible cinematography in this scene. It's great. It's just like the distance forever. And then Llewellyn approaches the scene cautious, but also kind of like nonchalant. Like it's not weird to see. It's like he's seen multiple dead bodies. All these dead people and guns and all that. Rotting. Yeah, right. Rotting. The smell's got to be bad. Leaves the scene looking for who he's calling Ultima Ombre or Last Man Standing. Who he finds like in a shape because he's able to put it together where he's like, somebody is gone. Somebody made away. And he's like, he basically stops and asks himself, like, where would they be? And he's like, shade. Yep. And he finds the shade tree. Dude's dead under the shade tree. Briefcase full of money. Another great shot. Yeah. God. Yeah, man. that cinematography at the beginning. I mean, the whole movie, but especially the beginning of the movie, when you get some of those Texas landscapes, it's awesome. So my next one is, like we said, gone too soon. We get when Carson meets Llewellyn yeah. for the first time. Look, you got to give me this money. I got no other reason to protect you. It's too late. I spent it. Got a million and a half on whores and whiskey and the rest of it just sort of blew it in. How do you know he's not on his way to Odessa? Why would he go to Odessa? Kill your wife. Maybe he's the one who needs to be worried about me. He isn't. <laughs> You're not cut out for this. You're just a guy who happened to find those vehicles. I'm across the river at the Hotel Eagle. Carson Wells. Call me when you've had enough. I can even let you keep a little of the money. Oh my God, in the hospital, basically telling him, you know, Llewellyn's trying to give him the bullshit run around of like, he has no idea what's going on. He's, oh, I, I blew the money on hookers and yeah. booze. And, but Carson, this isn't his first time around yeah. the block, which makes me wonder, maybe he's more than just a bounty hunter because I think this guy's killed a lot of people that he's had it taken out, which I'm assuming if he is for hire, if not, or he works for Steven Root because we don't know what he Steven does. Root. Okay. Yeah. So that's his. Well, actually, Steven Root hired Anton Chigurh to get the money back. And then. Shigur went rogue. He goes rogue. And then he hires Woody Harrelson to take care of Shigur, which like, I'm not taking that job. No. Like he knows he's fucked. Yeah. But what I like the fact too, is he tries to throw him through a loop by, you know, he's basically playing dumb. Like if I could find you, I could find yeah. Anton Shigur can find you. Yeah. He just literally, and that's another thing. He's fucked up beyond belief. He just walked across the border. Yeah. What? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm guessing in, you know, like. He paid uh, off a border guard? No. He bought the guy's jacket. Yeah. But his face is still covered yeah, in blood. Yeah, but he just puts his head down. And like at that time of night yeah, in a border a town point. in 1980, 80. you probably think, okay, he's just a drunk guy going over the yeah. border. He probably got in a bar fight or something. I would love to have seen Woody Harrelson more in this movie. Yeah. So that whole thing, Anton goes to Lou Allen's house. He blows out the lock. He picks up a stack of mail. Yeah. He just finds all, he finds his phone bill. The phone bill. That's how I he mean, starts yeah. tracking. When Llewellyn finds the transponder in the money, in the briefcase, he calls the front desk to see if the attendant's still there. Because when he checks into the hotel, he tells the attendant, he's like, look. You on all night? Yes, sir. I'll be right here at 10 o'clock in the morning. This is for you. 
And I ain't asking you to do anything illegal. There's someone who's been looking for me, not police. You just call me if anyone else checks in tonight. By anyone, I mean any swinging dick. Uh, here's a tip. Call me if anyone checks in. Basically, Llewellyn starts to think. He finds the tracker, and he's like, no way. He has like two of these epiphanies in the movie. The first one is when he returns home from finding the money the first time, and he can't sleep, and he wakes up, and he's like, ah, hell. And he goes and gives him the water. Water. Tries to. And in this one, he's trying to sleep, and he's like, there's no way. You know what? I literally was writing down in logic. I'm like, how the fuck does he not know there's a transponder? Yes. And as soon as I did, I yeah. was like, he found the transponder. He, he was laying in bed and he's like, there's no way. Because he's starting to wonder, like, how can this guy keep finding yeah. it? So he finds a transponder, but he's like, shit, how long? And so he calls the front desk. The front desk doesn't answer. At this point, he's got a pretty good hunch yeah. that Sugar is in here. So then the great thing in this scene, he turns out his lights so he can see under, under the, door. the door. And under the door, he sees feet and he like basically knows someone's there. He should have shot right then and there. Game. Then the movie's done. Yeah. The end. Movie's done. He's get two million dollars. Yeah. But what happens is Anton, who turns out, who's on the other side of the door, turns out the lights so he can't tell. He does his deal. The he blows gun. out the lock with the bolt gun. The lock hits him in the shoulder. Hits Lou Allen in the shoulder. Lou Allen jumps out the window. Which, yeah. But the greatest thing and is. he goes back into the fucking That's what building. I love. What that is what doing? I love. Instead of running away, he goes back into the building. Oh. And when he goes back into the building, it's cat and mouse at its finest. But like, they sort of have this, what I would describe like a golden eye battle in the street. It's they like do. a battle royale. They're hiding behind cars. They're shooting at each other. To me, they both make a couple stupid decisions at this point. Yeah. But for what it's worth, Llewellyn shoots Anton Fun. and then... I mean, then he, I almost throw up and pass out when yeah. he's starting to do surgery to himself. Yeah. So my next one is when at the very end, we get Ed Tom final scene where he starts talking about the dreams. Anyway, the first one I don't remember too well, but it was about meeting him in town somewhere. And you give me some money. I think I lost it. The second one, it was like we was both back in the older times. And I was a horseback going through the mountains for the night, going through this pass in the mountains. It was cold and there was snow on the ground. He rode past me and kept on going, never said nothing going by, just rode on past. He had his blanket wrapped around him, his head down. When he rode past, I seen he was carrying fire and a horn the way people used to do. And I, I could see the horn from the light inside of it, about the color of the moon. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there and all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. I just find it fascinating because I'll talk about it a little later. I think I overanalyzed these dreams quite a bit. But these dreams by Roxette. Oh, God. Somebody rocks that? No. Who knows? Maybe that'll end up on a certain draft coming up. We don't know. But no, it's heart. Heart, these dreams, not rock set. Talk 
Tommy Lee Jones, like we were talking about before we recorded, and I think I, I hit the number way too high. Tommy Lee Jones is top build, maybe 40% of this movie, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, not much. But it's fucking Tommy Lee Jones is so fucking good. But he has this discussion about, you know, him having the dreams about being up on the, what was it, the snow up on the mountains without the, yeah. yeah. And then the secondary dream, good versus evil type thing. But man, I'll talk about it later with this dream sequence because I overanalyzed it. But Tommy <laughs> Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I, it'll, I came up with some bonker ideas. The whole end of the movie, I mean, where he goes and visits his uncle Ellis also, the yeah. lawman, and he's basically an uh, Uncle Ellis who brews, I brew a fresh pot every week. Oh, can you imagine what that uh, tastes like? Brew a fresh pot every week, but then he's got a million cats everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, uh, Hot Texas Sun. He's piss. like, What you've got is nothing new. He's like, Somebody needs to talk to his uncle about a haircut because I yeah. need, let it go, pal. Yeah, <laughs> get a uh, razor. Uh, scene Jim alluded to Anton Shaker blows up a car in front of the pharmacy. Nobody notices. As a diversion so that he can go in and steal medicine and then do minor <laughs> surgery on his It's awesome. He didn't even ransack it. He just walk he in. just walks up he blows up the car everyone from inside goes outside he walks in just browses the the medicine shows behind the counter yeah gets himself some uh, antibiotics and things he needs to perform bathtub surgery on himself he is no, so nonchalant yeah i love it so my last one. So Anton finds out where Llewellyn lives after we talk to the trailer park lady and doesn't want to, you know, find out where he works. But it was before he goes into Llewellyn's trailer, just casually just walks around, grabs the milk. Oh, yeah. Sits down and it just drink the milk. And then you have the shot of him in the reflection on the TV, which is great. Next scene, Tommy Lee Jones shows up with Garrett. And then the first thing I'm doing is I'm watching this. I'm like, how long was he gone? Because the milk is still sitting out. So that's what they bring up. And I love the fact that they brought up the fact that he goes up to it and notices it. There's condensation on the milk. Now that's aggravating. Sheriff, I'm still sweating. Oh, Sheriff, we just missed him. We got to circulate this on radio. All right. What do we circulate? Looking for a man who has recently drunk milk. And Garrett picks up money. He's, like, He's not gone for long. <laughs> and he starts once in Tommy Lee Jones casually drinks the milk. Yeah. And then we get the same, same shot, shot of the reflection. Of, oh, yeah, genius. I We've watched so much like movie material, so much TV, so much everything. This probably might be top two for me, cinematography wise. It's Just incredible. Gorgeous. It's an incredible gorgeous. shot movie. It's so nice. So I'll just say last, because we've got another scene to talk about but for later. Yeah. Mister, you got a bone sticking out of your arm. <laughs> Mister, you got a bone sticking out of your arm. All right, let me just sit here a minute. There's an ambulance coming. Man over yonder went to call. All right. Are you all right? You got a bone sticking at your arm. What did you take for the shirt? Well, hell, mister. I give you my shirt. Look at that fucking bone. Anton Chigurh gets in a car accident. No so cells, a he, fracture, he, a compound fracture. He leaves killing Carla Jean. You know, a station wagon runs a red light and then hits him. And then he, he gets out of the car. But like one of the 
there's two kids on a bike who come on bikes, come up and help. And the one dude is just obsessed. Every time the other kid says something, he's like, you gotta f- look at that fucking bone. <laughs> and the kid just can't like, he's like, I would have passed out. The other kid's like, yeah, you can have my shirt. You don't have to buy it. You can have it for free. And then he's like, look at that fucking bone sticking out of your arm. Did he give him like a hundred bucks? He for tried, a shirt? Yeah. He gave him like a bloody hundred dollar bill yeah. for a shirt. But then he leaves, he leaves the car accident. And which, that's the last time we see Anton. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little later, but first, uh, no pools in Marfa, Texas in 1980. So I guess we got to get out of the uh, the war zone that is Anton, anywhere Anton Chigurh goes. Where does he work? I'm telling you, I can't tell you where he works. Where does he work? Fine. He works at Lifehouse Pools, bitch. Burnett Pools. We got it all. You're getting an exclusive that this season we're going to be doing a music month. Yes. We're talking about time frame for when, but four episodes all covering music or music adjacent movies. Here's as your a preseason primer. As a small appetizer, our pool check this week is 2007 songs, our favorite or best songs released in 2007. So 2007 is very fascinating because it's like the... It's like a transitional it's year. Like, it absolutely is to where now... Now, you don't have to be on the radio to be a megastar. You can just release your music online. Yeah, radio is insignificant. This was uh, absolutely early stages of that where there were some, Pandora. Of the, some of the biggest songs of 2007 yep. were because of the internet and indie music more so than what the radio hits were. So it's going to be fascinating to see our balance of what was on the radio and stuff. So okay, I will go first and I will go with Sean Kingston, Beautiful Girl. This is on my list. I did not know. I thought this song came out in 1997, not 2007. 2007, but it is a timeless song. It's so good. And I will say this song needed a Sabu version where... You've got me homicidal, suicidal, genocidal. genocidal, but it's just, it's a, it's a great song. It just, it really sticks. It's timeless. And, uh, then Sean Kingston left our lives. wonder what Sean Kingston is up to now. Maybe he was your server at Denny's possible. So my number five is, uh, I totally forgot this song came out in 2007. It's the all American rejects with its ends tonight. Another good, slow, pop punk song. Transitional, as we said, or I just said transitional. What am I, fucking William Shatner? Next thing I'm going to say is sabotage instead of sabotage. (laughs) No, but it was the transitional time in which you still got radio airplay. This was on Hot 101 three times every hour. It's slow song. You'd go to a high school dance. Never got into All American Rejects. Not even Swing Swing? Nothing, nope. I got into a little bit. I thought this was a really, really decent song. Number four for me, Amy Winehouse and Mark Bronson, Valerie. This song is a pop. It's a cover of a song from one year prior. It's a by the Zootons. Oh, 
okay. But Ronson and Winehouse took it like a year later and just blew the original away. I guess Ronson and Winehouse made like an album of like 60s influence music or something. And part of that, they were kind of stumped and somehow they just landed on this song and doing a version of it. And it's awesome. Should have called Steve Winwood and then yeah. did his version of Valerie. But then that ended up turning into one of the favorite music videos of all time. Eric Pride. God damn. Prides, whatever it is. Yeah, Eric Pride's Call On Me. So good. So my next one, number four, one of the guys that fucking one of my favorite concerts of all time is Justin Timberlake off Future Sex Love Sounds Summer Love, man. You can't wait to fall in love with me. This just can't be summer love. You see, this just can't be summer love. Oh, Talk about okay. a summer fucking banger. Well, he had What Goes Around. What Goes Around comes around. He had this. He had My Love with T.I. Yeah. It was the summer of Justin. That fucking album. Talk about his first album, his debut album, pretty damn good. That second follow-up album, good grief, man. Banger after banger after banger after banger. Talk about radio airplay. Also, it was more of an edgier Justin Timberlake. Man, this song, just a, it's a Timbaland-produced yeah. album. You get what you get with Timbaland. Get what you give. New Radicals. Oh, fashion shows with Beck and Hanson. Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson. What year is that? 90s. 98. 98. Okay. 98. Uh, my number three, Paramore Misery Business. Williams, Alternative baby. Press 2007 Music Video of the Year. So despite this being the lead single off their second album, this was my and I, I think most people's introduction to Paramore, right? Yeah. Like we hadn't heard them before and then in 2022, this song was certified six times black. God, that's nuts. Dude. That's insane. Was their first song, was it Crush, Crush, Crush? I have no idea. Because I remember they also have another song, I forget what it's called. It almost sounds like what do you get in it? When you guzzle down sweets. Eating, eating as much as an elephant. But that eats. was their first single. That wasn't their first single, but every time <laughs> I hear that song, cover. but every time I hear that song, that fucking whole line from Willy Wonka fits. Love Haley Williams. Very attractive Haley Williams, by the way. My next one, number three, I will go with, if it wasn't for this song, and maybe I'm in the minority here because I get a lot of shit for the, the movies that I talk about negatively, and this will be one of them. If it wasn't for this song, I would have given a shit care less about off the Transformers soundtrack, Linkin Park with what I've done. Okay. It's once again, Chester. What can you say more? That dude had a fucking voice on him like no other. I associate this with Transformers. So that's the, at the end of the first Transformers movie. That's the end credits they song. They cut the black, hit the note. What I've done. Great music drop. Yeah. I can't, how many fucking Transformer movies are there? Like 800? They only needed one. Is it 85? Yeah. Animated. Just like Highlander. But they're speaking of, speaking of Highlander, Henry Cavill is going to be Connor McCloud in the new Highlander movie. What? Yeah. Is that a remake or a sequel they're doing a remake of highlander and it's going to be him as connor mcleod i'm like all right is that, I can get on board okay. i i love dune and maybe i'm biased but is that because dune is doing so well that they're probably like, help what other property is dune a 
adjacent that we can remake. Listen, I didn't think Highlander was even a good property to touch anymore. No. The first movie was good. The second is considered one of the worst movies of all time. Did people watch the TV series? I have no idea. It's, you know, Henry Cavill does not seem, I mean, the dude is a nerd, which is crazy looking how he looks and stuff, but it, it's kind of weird how he picks his roles. He's going to be doing a Warhammer TV show yeah. based on a video game. He already it, did a Netflix show based on, what was that based on? I can't remember. I want to say it was like Dungeons and Dragons, but it wasn't. But then it he was, just signed on for to do a couple Marvel movies too. I'm like, yeah, dude's all over the place now, man. Um, my number two, MGMT Electric Feel. Such a great song. I had to pick the most 2007 feeling thing. This band dominated 2007 and I don't think they ever seeped into the year following. No, they didn't. I think in 2007 alone off the album Oracular Spectacular, they had Time to Pretend, Electric Feel, and Kids. They've had four albums since, including one released this week as we're recording. Oh, really? Could not tell you if they sound the same, no. if they've completely changed. All I know is that for three songs in year 2007 they were this huge juggernaut thing. indie loving this band big thing they looked like uh, the hobbits so my next one was going to be sean kingston beautiful girl a song that was misplaced in time because you are suicidal homicidal genocidal was it sean kingston who had the somebody called 911 shorty fire burning on the dance floor yeah i think that is was sean that kingston. him so I if, think it was. if that was sean kingston he had crashed a jet ski into a bridge in and got hurt quite badly. I, this could all be completely wrong. Is that um, how we thought of the 911 song? Well, so I used to sing that song <laughs> as somebody called 911. I just crashed my jet ski into a bridge on the dance floor. Uh, <laughs> But I don't know if that was Sean Kingston. So if it's not, just Whatever. imagine it was. And then my number one, sort of like my approach with MGMT, I'm sort of picking a whole band. Against Me released their fourth studio album, New Wave, which is really great, highlighted by Born on the FM Waves of My Heart. the heart however it is thrash unreal and white people for peace and i think we've talked about this the song stop was my wrestling entrance music yeah i remember so you i always have that. a soft spot for that finally my number one like an mia with paper planes oh yeah That fucking chorus to that song where you have the Foley sounds, you have the special effects sounds, the cash register, the cocking of the gun. I used to play this song like crazy when I DJed. It was so fucking good. Basically a one hit wonder. Call me crazy. I think it was only a one hit wonder by MIA, but amazing song. She had, she's had a lot of stuff, but it's just for a certain that was, crowd. Yeah, that was notable. Um, It was Sean Kingston who did it, the song's called Fire Burning. Fi Never and, thought it would uh, be called Fire Burning. I just crashed my jet ski into a bridge on the dance floor. Oh, uh, 
Uh, if we were doing the definitive songs of 2007, MIA Paper Planes absolutely is on yeah. there. Bony Vare, Skinny Love would be on there. And Hey There, Delilah by Plain White Tees. I fucking hate that song. You hate that song? I'm not a big fan of it. Okay. I um, shouldn't say hate. I pleasantly dislike it. Um, it's like train to me. That's I put that in the train level. They, they toured together. <laughs> Did they? they? No. They had to have. No. They, they probably would now. Have. Oh, God, yeah. The rib burnoff this year. Is train too big for the rib burnoff? I don't think they'd fit at the rib burnoff. They would make, who the fuck would want to see train at a rib burnoff? Who the fuck wants to see train somewhere else? Where does train play? <laughs> They play at coffee shops or they play like arenas. It has to be an. I don't see. They don't train. do headlining or tours. They right? play Nautica. Yeah, plays Nautica. They play Nautica, but only as part of like who? I don't think they would be ever like a part of a relive the aughts. Would tour. they tour with like Michael Bublé or like who oh. does Train tour? Because they don't tour with like Nickelback. No. Give me a minute. I'm looking this up. Here's the thing. Train also has this weird type of music where I can't really pigeonhole it into a genre. They're not rock and roll. What are they? They're not easy listening. They're not David Gray's Babylon. <laughs> Wait, they would fucking go on tour with David Gray. Babylon. Okay, so Train is playing Pittsburgh at Stage AE. Makes sense. Uh, with Yacht Rock Review. Who the fuck are they? Is that a cover band? I... <laughs> Are they going to play with the Huck and Phil Billies next uh, to Leon's? This is karaoke night, followed by Train. <laughs> Who the fuck uh, is that? Player they? Jimmy Nino's. Um, uh, yeah. Dude, those wings look amazing. They do. Let's yeah. go get some. So I have uh, Kanye, Can't Tell Me Nothing. Sure, say what you will about him. We've had the whole separating art from artists debate. The Hangover. Before. Yes, exactly. They This song was tied into the marketing for The Hangover. But before we knew any of that stuff about Kanye, two months before the passing of his mother, Donda, Kanye released Graduation and September of 07. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. And then now Kanye had his moment in time and then fuck off. They're a big year for T-Pain. Akon was pretty big. Don't oh, matter. God. Glamorous by Fergie. Great song. My Chemical Romance had I Don't Love You. They did, I think, a couple other. Low by Flo Rida. Oh, God. Stable uh, on a dance floor. Yeah. Mims, This Is Why I'm Hot. And then there was stuff like Rilo Kylie, Silver Lining. Feist, who I like because she shreds on guitar and she's like real great. But everybody remembers Feist because of the one, two, three, four Apple iPod commercial. Oh, I remember that. Where the silhouette on the colored background. Yeah. So 2007 was an interesting year in music. Go on our social media. Tell us what songs you were listening to in 2007 or better yet, find your old iPods in a drawer. If the batteries still work. Charge them up and get tell us 30 pin connector. Tell us what was on them. Let's get back in the pool. So where does he work? I said he works at Lifehouse. Where? Fine. He left for Burnett. Back Hey, Mr. Sporting Goods. Hey, yourself. You sport? Yeah, it's me. I got beers in my room. Oh, I'm uh, I'm waiting on my wife. Oh, that's who you keep looking out the window for. Half. What else then? Just uh, looking for what's coming. Yeah, but no one ever sees that. Beer. That's what's coming. I'll bring the ice chest out here. You can stay married. No, ma'am. I, I know what beer leads to. <laughs> 
Bear leads to more bear. All right, critical question. What do you think Anton Chigurh's fate is? Is he arrested? Is he killed on duty? Does he take the two million and live out the rest of his days? Love how you said he's killed on duty. Yeah, I mean, duty is a hitman. Or does he take the two million dollars, you know, assume a different identity and live out his days? If I can put on my fake doctor's hat. So he has a compound fracture. Yeah. If he needs to literally have full surgery to reset that bone. That was my, when I I watched this with Dana, we watched a bunch, but yeah. I said, what would happen if you left a bone sticking out of your arm? The artery is going to be affected by that because he should be bleeding profusely because that literally popped through the bone. Eventually, he's going to start losing blood flow to the arm. Infection's going to set in. The infection can go straight to his heart. He's dead. But why can't he just go to a hospital? I mean, he well, he could. I mean, he'd probably have to go out of town a little bit. He would have to go to basically a fucking gas station hospital because first off, you go to any hospital, maybe not so in 1980, you're going to want information. He's just going to walk in and go, I need my arm fixed. Where do you work? I don't know what year it was, but up until a certain point, and I learned a lot of this reading about serial killers, they could not share medical records, police records, anything across state lines. Yeah. So if he gets out of Texas and goes to like Oklahoma to a hospital and he's just like, I fell off the roof. And then they're like, oh, okay, this looks a couple days old. You got maggots in it. But yeah, he just has a bone sticking out of his arm. I think he died. How? From his arm? I would have... Fuck. Then again, the guy, he's so methodical and psycho. I, I Maybe he survived somehow. He sets the bone himself. I mean, I think it's probably something like that. I think he, or in that field, wouldn't you have people? Like, wouldn't you have like your own, you know, doctor who kind of works like on Like another the, fix it. Yeah. But he doesn't seem like the type that has friends. No, he really doesn't. But I just, I would imagine he's not going to take any like hit jobs anymore. Why would he? He has $2 million in 1980. What Anton could do, sit out, this is why I see him doing, sit Sitting outside of a hospital, a stolen car, waits for a doctor, go home, goes home, breaks into his house, yep. tells him to fix set it. it, fix it, says he's going to give him, say, you know, a couple thousand dollars. He gives him the thousand dollars. And as he walks away, flips a coin, flips a coin call it. I can't call it for you. It wouldn't be fair. Yeah. Dead. Probably. Checks yeah. his shoes. That makes the most sense. I, I think that's a good idea. He, he somehow tracks down a doctor, follows him home from the hospital, makes him fix his arm, and then uh, lives out the rest of his days somewhere else yeah. under a different identity. Maybe he gets a new haircut. Maybe he enjoys himself. Maybe he goes to a beach resort. He seems like the type. Pleasure Island. Beautiful treasure. Come on down and have a drink. A good fight would be Anton Chigurh versus David McCall. Oh my God. Hey, uh, Anton, uh, hold on. Let me try to read Anton Shiggy. Hi. Hi, Shiggy. Um, my name's David. Um, I don't know if you know my CV. It's pretty cool. Okay. So I killed this kid named Gary. He ran through the woods and I was like, Gary, I just want to be your friend. And let me tell you, this fucking guy had it coming to him. Okay. Wait, what is that bolt thing? Hold on, Anton. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. He killed David. Who is Nicole? Where does she live? <laughs> How can you write forever? You don't know forever. Like he, he would have a whole philosophical deba- philosophical debate with him over how he could love her forever. Here's the flip a flip a coin. Call it. I don't want to call a goddamn coin, okay? Call it. How many times do I gotta fucking tell you? I'm not calling a goddamn coin, okay? So let's let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about it. Hey man, you know this is bullshit. My gripe with this movie, my only gripe, is that Lou Allen... They ruined it. He... It's its his death. It, it's one, how it's shot and presented, because... So an awesome scene is Lou Allen talking to the woman who you never see yeah. in the pool, and she's like, hey, sport, are you a sport? Well, you see her a little bit. You, yeah, you don't get not, a close-up. No, you, don't, you never get a close-up. No, and no close-up. Like, hey, sport, are you a sport? He's like, yeah, something like that. And she's like, why don't you come and have a beer with me? And he's like, no, I'm waiting on my wife. I'm married. And she 
she's like, it's just a beer. She's like, I'll bring it out. I'll bring it out of the room. Bring it out here. I know what a beer leads to. Beer leads to more beer, which yeah. is true. She's yeah. not wrong. But then you cut the black from that conversation. We cut the Ed Tom Bell's point of view. A truck is speeding out of the uh, motel while we hear gunshots. And we just see Lou Ellen's dead body. What you say? Mm, that you only meant well. Well, of course you did. Mm, what you say? Mm, that it's all for the best. Because it is. What's so frustrating, this guy has evaded. He's gotten to a gun battle with Anton Chigurh. And then he's just fucking written off and killed yeah. off screen by three random Mexican guys. Yeah. That's it. This guy who's been cunning, who's evaded people while coming across a bunch of dead bodies, gets away from Chigurh on multiple occasions, engaged Chigurh, dealt with Woody Harrelson, yeah. and now all of a sudden, fuck off. Yeah. It should have been a cat and mouse it's, game all the way to the end. Well, it, it's weird because one, it feels like we're missing 10 to 15 seconds of footage. But also, like, I'm I'm not a fan of off-screen deaths no. in movies. Especially not with a main character. No, we do see him dead, so there's no, like, it's not like he's still alive, this witness protection or something. He's dead, but we just don't see him get killed. But honestly, I guess to play devil's advocate, the inverse of this is if we had seen him get killed by the Mexicans who were also, you know, trying to recover the money from the drug deal, we still wouldn't have been satisfied. But what makes it more frustrating is when he was at that hotel near the beginning of the movie, he literally stayed in a room opposite. Uh, can I get another room? You want to change rooms? No, ma'am. I want to keep my room and get another one. Another? Additional? Yes, ma'am. And do you have a map of the rooms? Well, yeah, we had a sorted one. Oh, thank you. Um, about uh, 38. Well, you can have the one right next to yours if you want. Number 137, it ain't two. No, 38 will be fine. It's got two double bed. Yeah. Other Mexicans showed up. He evaded them. Yeah. Or why would he not think that more people other than Shigur would be after him? Yes. Because he knows this. Well, his mother-in-law is at fault for well, that. Well, she's a piece of shit. Because the guy comes across the street and says, let me get your bags for you. And she's like, oh, we're staying at the... And she literally names it and they well, know where to go. Well, her mother's extremely racist. Yeah. She got I, the cancer. I've never seen a Mexican dressed up so nice before. Yeah, she's got the cancer. I, like... I don't know. You set up the cat and mouse. It's it's kind of a bummer that Anton doesn't kill Lou Ellen. They tell you multiple times in this movie. Carson Wells tells us. Anton tells us. You're dead. Lou Ellen's going to die. Yeah. There's not a movie that ends with Lou Ellen killing Anton and keeping the $2 million. That's not what this movie is. What I thought it was going to be is in the end, they both die. Yeah. Together. I mean, it, I guess maybe that would have worked where Carla, it's like the gift of the Magi. Like Carla Jean gets the $2 million, but she doesn't have a husband. Yeah. So maybe that would work. But like, yeah, in no scenario in this movie was, you know, Llewellyn thought he was the smartest guy in the room and he absolutely wasn't. No, and he Carson wasn't. Wells proved that to him. He finds him at the hospital and he's like, look, like I found you. He knows you're here. Like you're dead. He knows why you've been calling Odessa. It is interesting. Yeah. And it is interesting because Carson tells him, you give me the money back. I can protect you. I don't think that he could. No. Because fucking Shigur found him. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't buy that, that he's like, give me the $2 million I can protect for how long like Anton is definitely the type of guy who's like and he even tells him like basically once he decides you're dead you're dead I do appreciate Llewellyn's moxie though because when he's on the call after he kills Wells and he basically flips a call on him like oh, you're not gonna find me I'm gonna come find you and he, yeah. and he slams the phone on him it's like
like, all right, that's where I thought it was leading. I'm yeah. like, final you five minutes. It's gonna end like in a in a western. You get your final yes, the showdown, the showdown. But no, they kill him off screen. Nope. Uh, how does that transponder work? Like you drive around until it beeps. That's what they alluded because to me. like, how did Anton Chigurh know where to start? You just drive the whole country and hope it beeps. All we ever got was the phone bill. Yeah. That was his only guide. Well, he happens to be driving to Del Rio past the motel and it starts beeping, but like, you'd have to at least like kind of guess where to start. Yeah. And then you have that weird shot of Anton shooting at the bird on the bridge. It's just for fun. Yeah. But he gets lucky driving through Del Rio. It starts beeping. I like even that whole cat and mouse where Llewellyn has a taxi driver and he's like, hey, drive, drive me a brown rat. Uh, drive you a brown rat. <laughs> Take me to the brown rat. Sir, you <laughs> don't want to go drive. <laughs> Sir, we've they, if you read a Yelp review on the brown rat, drive, don't go. Drive me around back. And then he's like, actually, just take me to a different motel. And he's like, I ain't trying to get no jackpot. He's like, you're already in a jackpot. I'm yeah. trying to get you out of it. Because the, the Mexicans are there and they're just hanging out in his room. This is where I might have read into things a bit. So I just can't wrap my head around. Like, I really, anal- well, I shouldn't say analyze, but I really looked into these dreams that Ed Tom talked yeah. about to the point I texted you and I'm like, is Ed Tom really analyzing? I'm like, Jim's finally experimenting (laughs) with drugs. A time travel movie. So like, it, Ed Tom sounds like Anton. It's very similar. Is it a split personality situation? So I'm really because we've watched movies yeah. where it's like Jesus Christ, he's a split, she's a split, everybody wants a split, split. Wouldn't yeah. you like to be a split too? That's what it seemed like to me. They're kind of like an inverse of each other. Anton represents like pure evil, and Ed Tom represents like pure good. But maybe it, it throws me off because Tommy Lee Jones isn't in this movie much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm thinking Ed Tom Anton. It's a split personality. I mean. It's Speaking of, of Tommy Lee Jones and Anton being the same person, this could be an awesome Two-Face prequel Ooh. <laughs> because Anton Chigurh flips the coin to decide people's fate, just like Two-Face, who Tommy Lee Jones plays. You're counting on the winged Avenger to deliver you from evil, aren't you, my friend? Are you going to kill me? Maybe, maybe not. You can say we're of two minds on the subject. (laughs) You're a gambling man. Let's say we flip for it. I guess it was much easier to get over the border in 1970, which we mentioned, or I'm sorry, 1980, 1980. where he's just like, you know, give me your jacket. It's funny in that scene where he's asked for the beer too. He's like, give me your jacket. Give me your beer. How much? Because the dude wants him to buy the beer off. Just give him the beer. When he throws the money over the fence, how does that case not open? He throws (laughs) very protected over the fence. And then I'm like, how does he get back down there? Because it seems like that whole area along the Rio Grande would be prevent you from sneaking in i guess we just have to say hey it was 1980 but here's the thing if you're walking up that bridge all you have to do is casually glance down and go what is that black yeah. square on top of the bushes yeah but it would it be worth going down there to yeah, find that's a good out point. yeah it's just a, a box full of diapers or something <laughs> <laughs> gotta watch out gotta for ditch diapers. these diapers before we get into mexico dude i went to go eat at the brown rat and they just had a <laughs> fucking box full of diapers box full of diapers Shit. some clean some dirty it's so weird <laughs> brown rat 
that baby. So I don't know if it's in the book, and I don't. I'm not really in a hurry to read any more uh, ever. Mac McCarthy Done. books anytime soon. But uh, I wish we got more backstory about the history between Anton and Carson Wells. Yeah, because Carson Wells tells the dude that hires him. He's like, I saw him. I remember the last time I saw him. Like I know everything there is to know about him. So they've crossed paths before. It could have been like best friends. <laughs> Maybe buddy killer they used comedy. To be their former cops. They used to be buddies, and then broke you off. Be, you want to be my friend? Anton couldn't stay at the accident. Isn't it more suspicious that he left because it wasn't his fault? You hear the cops coming. So they're within, I don't know, can't be that far away. The road is a straight road. Yeah. You're just not going to see a guy just hobbling, yeah. walking away. It, you know, it's And weird. those kids aren't going to say anything? I mean, he was arrested at the beginning of this movie and he escaped. So I'm assuming there's like an APB or a warrants for his arrest. Yeah. But how would they identify him as who he is? Don't you know, because... He wouldn't have an ID on him. I mean, I guess you can't miss his haircut. And yeah, we're looking for a guy who's got a weird and he got a fucking bone hanging out of his arm. <laughs> got a bone. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, uh, and he's not going to be able to blow up a car in front of a pharmacy to get enough drugs to get his arm back inside of his arm. Wouldn't it just been easier to just stick a rag in the gas tank and then light it? Because he went through a lot to get that to happen. All right. Uh, not a ton of logic in this one. What's the legacy? It's an awesome movie. One it's be- great. Best picture. It's great. I love Josh Brolin's performance in it. I don't know why he was considered just a second get, you know, I know, like, like they were away. really interested. And then like, but this was sort of during that Brolin resurgence, because as far as I'm concerned, W at this time, I don't know. Or was W a little bit later? As far as I'm concerned, Josh Brolin like disappeared basically since Goonies. He was like in Goonies yeah. and then nothing for a long time. So he was in Goonies. This is his first film in 85. He's actually pretty consistently in stuff. He's in Hollow Man in 2000. Oh God, I forgot but about he, Hollow Man. Pretty, I didn't. Oh, but in, two, but in 2007, he does Grindhouse, which he's awesome in. Uh, no Country for Old Men, American Gangster. And then in 2008, he does W and okay. milk. So he's got this huge resurgence. Love w milk. Except that he was in Jonah Hex. Yeah, well, which is considered a real bad one. Yeah, but, uh, horrible. Yeah, he. It's it's funny. He actually plays young Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black Three, and he's perfect because yeah. he's playing like young Tommy. It's, it's like has spot the accent on. down. Yeah, it's pretty much spot on. Wait, did he also not do R.I.P.D.? No, I'm sorry. No, I'm thinking Ryan was, Reynolds. That was Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. Oh, God. Which, uh, my God. Yeah, that's something we're gonna cover one that's of these a days. Really bad one. That one yeah. may come up in a future pool check about. Actually, that's just worst movie. There's yeah, no best worst. It's worst, worst. All right, stick around for some plugs. So you have to really understand a little bit of what's going on in your mind in order to execute those horrible actions. Like, for example, in the gas station scene, I was always thinking that there was a superior voice and order that was making a decision through me. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the show and all of the other ones in our back catalog. And you can find those on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and wherever you get your podcasts from, because we are there. And never forget to like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow on Facebook. Join the Pool Sceners group for exclusive content. You will get it there first. Instagram, Twitch, threads tiktok and youtube at pool scene podcast we are all over the place so you will never get one opportunity to miss us anytime anywhere and as always back to kevin call it final app guy call it yeah the final lap
All right, the Coen brothers have not done a collective movie since 2018, which was the compilation film Ballad of Buster Scruggs for Netflix. But I just finally saw the trailer for Ethan Coen's new movie, Drive Away Dolls, and it looks awesome. It comes out like next week, I think. Okay. So it'll be interesting. I'm going to try and check that out. movie theaters or? I don't know. I I can't really tell, but uh, it looks awesome. I mean, anything the Coen brothers are involved in both collectively or individually, usually turns out pretty good but um yeah i really wish that they would come back together and make something here but there was talk there for a little bit of doing a lebowski too i'm like don't no, please don't, don't. Do learn from anchor well they too. actually said no never good, they good. said they would never as long as they were alive they'd never authorize anything else so. speaking of sequels is this your dune two week or what how's march first oh march 1st. so we're recording okay. it's uh tuesday february 20th it's a week from friday it should be a good day for me because uh rock you got your fuck it you're doing Fuck it, my Dune bucket. I'm gonna go see <laughs> Dune. I took the Friday off. I'm gonna go see Dune, and then that night, not uh, IMAX and laser though. Not IMAX and laser, unfortunately. Roxbury Pizza's at Birdfish. So I'm gonna go out there for that. Hopefully, you get some okay weather. Yeah, should be a pretty good. Uh, Dune Day should be pretty good for me. So I got one thing. This weekend was the NBA All-Star Weekend, which I love watching All-Star Saturday. That's what I watch every year. Three-point contest never disappoints. They had the three-point shoot-off between uh, Steph Curry and uh, Sabrina Inescu, who were incredible. You don't need skills competition, never really liked. Dunk contest. I don't know what it is, and I'll talk about the All-Star Game. I know what it is. The judging sucks. You can only get between 40 and 50, which makes no sense. And you got guys like Dominique, and I'm like, okay, good. But these guys some of these fucking ducks like they got Jalen Brown I'm like cool you got an actual big name NBA guy doing the dunk contest this guy's a power dunker not a style dunker yeah. Mac McClung who won back to back and rightfully so he did this one dunk I've never seen before where dude's holding it he literally grabs it drops it picks it up and slams it again never seen it again there's 75 multiple angles on this and the fucking judges gave it like a 45 and a 40s Jalen Rose just does it or Jalen Rose I wish it was Jalen Rose <laughs> Jalen Brown does like a windmill 360 power dunk it's like 49s and 50s. Mac McClung. Okay. He won back to back, rightfully okay. so, but dunk contest anymore. I'm just like, Ugh. so the problem with the dunk contest is that stars used to do it. Yeah. And no, now LeBron saying no kind of killed the yeah, dunk contest. Yeah. LeBron said, no, I won't do it. But LeBron, I think, worries too much about his image to the point where if LeBron was in it and didn't win it, yeah. he would never live it down. So it's probably just the safe bet for him to not do it. But when stars stopped doing the dunk contest, everybody's like, there's just no dunks left. Every dunk's been done. I promise you that's not true look at zach levine and uh yes the one guy from the match air gordon. gordon so Fuck. that year was incredible 2016 mcclung has done dunks that no one's seen but there are guys who are literally like professional dunkers yeah they do traveling like dunk contests they do dunks that no one's ever seen before have those guys hi if i'm in all right put me in the dunk contest no obviously not me yeah but if i'm an nba player put me in the dunk contest i'm gonna hire one of those guys or even sponsor him <laughs> Stephen a sponsor these like and one guys yes sponsor them have them show you never before dunks and then have like have an nba star doing the dunks i mean mcclung plays in the g league that's what i mean you've got guys winning the the dunk contests that aren't even in the nba so it's another ego thing it would fix all-star weekend but they would never do it nba one-on-one tournament i was thinking the same thing get rid of the all-star game just do one-on-one you're gonna get competitive fucking battles nba one-on-one tournament except no one's ego could handle it no. No one would want to do it, and Kevin Durant would win every year. Half court, three dribble max. 
that's what you should do but they'll never do it and we're gonna constantly get this is no lie everybody the all-star game score was won by the east 211 to 186 yeah, yeah. it was Back, 100 points at halftime kobe talks about like being competitive in the all-star yeah. game and like larry bird came out and said like gotta play competitive maybe when lebron i love lebron but like yeah. maybe when lebron retires maybe like these guys will pick up slack and be like what we're gonna play yeah we're actually gonna have a game like a competitive game i don't know give like the winning east will then get home court that advantage be, in the yeah. final or the playoffs yeah put something on the line that actually matters like five hundred thousand dollars these guys don't give a fuck no. about five hundred thousand no. dollars but yeah come on man all-star saturday night was a staple and not anymore nfl wised up and got rid of the fucking pro bowl game i'd rather them do skills yeah. competitions yep uh okay so we're gonna talk about something jim said in a group chat so usher played the uh halftime show at the super bowl yep jim during this halftime says yeah by usher is that the best song of the last 24 years yeah and my initial well, i well i expand on it. i'm like when we get to 2100 could ushers yeah be considered the song of the century and my knee-jerk reaction is absolutely fucking lutely not no fucking way and i still feel that way it's a good successful pop song but i'm like ushers yeah cannot possibly be the number one song of the century so far but then you start to look at the songs of the last 24 years yeah. and it has been a bleak 24 years in music i would probably say and i'm not even exaggerating or kidding the number one song of the last 24 years is probably either 50 cents into club or mr brightside yeah that's nuts i think actually mr brightside more than into club where i don't that song was a juggernaut like really yeah. was now because i'm like where are all the legendary bands where are the legendary songwriters and artists not anymore and I'm like, I don't want anybody to come after me for this, but Anton will I, maybe again. I question like Taylor Swift. Fine. Yeah. Good pop Love music, Taylor Swift. whatever. Yeah. But Taylor Swift is the Beatles without producing the quality of music. And I'm not a big fan of the Beatles either, but without producing her stardom is a lot greater than her music. I would agree. Because if you're like, okay, something by Taylor Swift would probably be the definitive song of the last 24 years. But what Taylor Swift song would really wear that banner? You got to think of a song and I guess you can group it into, especially Mr. Brightside. You hear those first chords. And then all of a sudden everybody like, I remember when I DJed, you could just be quiet at the bar the whole time. Mr. Brightside comes on. You're singing along with Mr. Brightside. Right side may be like the modern day equivalent of like Sweet Caroline because it's uh, it's but like yeah I know what you're it's getting it's like at. a song yeah. that's like instantly recognizable every single person knows this song every person and that's kind of goes against my argument with like yeah by usher because it's a good song it's a good pop song yeah is it a like the equivalent of a household name would everybody hear the first five seconds of that song and go i absolutely know every age every you know sect every walk of life would they know that song now here's the thing and we're gonna follow up on this when we get to 2050 and we're still doing this podcast i'm 70 years old and Kevin's slightly under me. At the end of the day, over 50 years, Usher's Yeah is going to be top five. I really believe it's going to be I top five. I, and I was even shocked to look. We still got 26 more years left in this half century. at the amount of success linked to songs. Usher is like the seventh most successful song of the last 24 years. Yes. There are, yeah, yeah. There's like six songs ahead of it. I'm just like, I, I just, where are the iconic ballads? Where are no, our yeah. Bohemian Rhapsodies and our, and our, our Don't Stop 
not believe ins and our I don't think we'll ever see it again. Our I will always love yous and and like we drafted definitive songs. We're gonna soon draft definitive songs of the eighties. Our definitive songs of this century are fucking bleak. Yeah. It sucks. There's nothing definitive. It's, it's the boy bands are gone. Yeah. Mostly. It's late stage like Britney Spears. It's you know, you've got the tail end of a your limp biscuit and corn and stuff like that. You're moving into like radio nickelback type rock, but and, and then you just have this RB infused pop radio. And then you then you have TikTok songs. TikTok it's that just, is like ugh. there is just not songs now that are like again. I if somebody was like blank by Taylor Swift is the song, I would say that's fine because she did absolutely dominate. Yeah. I mean, she is the biggest artist of the last 24 years, but in my opinion, what is her magnum opus? Yeah. What is her song that is it? Because if you say like, what's the we shake it off? Maybe what's what's the one before she was even like this megastar? Um, not our song, not Tim McGraw. You mean when this was fresh out of the gate, Taylor Swift, just her and her guitar? Yeah, like I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the I, name. I just of think it. like her bigger songs all predate like your current version yeah. of her. I I don't know. They call me out if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's yeah. But I also don't have a better argument against it not being yeah. Yeah. Other than maybe again, Into Cloud by Fifty Cent or Mr. Brightside. Mr. Brightside. That's that's about all I got. And if it is one of those two songs, shame on the current landscape of music because both of those songs were at the very beginning. Yeah. And we haven't done shit in twenty years. Two thousand four. Shit. Is that literally two thousand two thousand three two thousand yeah, four? Probably. Or no, I'm sorry. Mr. Brightside came out in two thousand four. I think Into Club came out in like oh eight. No, no, no. Really? No. Am I- Into Club. Oh five. No. Oh five. It wasn't even that late. I think it was oh five. Oh, I'm gonna look it up because I don't even think it was that late. Trying to scratch my DJ itch. I'm Mr. Gonna, Brightside, I know Hot Fuzz came out in 04. In the club was 2003. Oh, three. Oh, 03, 04. Uh, recorded in 02, but released in 03. That's fucking, we're but fucked. We haven't had, like, I mean, it got, is it Rockstar by Nickelback? <laughs> oh, no. no. Kidding. Not that um, one. Not that. It's you, how it's you photograph. Me. It's photograph. Yeah. Just come on, artist. Step it up. I mean, I fucking hate Billy Joel, but at least I can name a, a number of iconic like Billy Joel songs. Billy Joel, Elton John, the Beatles, like these iconic artists, Whitney Houston. We have Adele, but like Adele just like comes out with a few great songs and then releases another album. None of those songs are like standing the test of the time. No. So maybe we'll, we'll revisit this and uh, maybe next year. Beyonce? Absolutely. Yeah. But what song? Exactly. Surfboard? What's that? Irreplaceable? Uh, maybe. Speaking I, I of 07. I don't know. Halo. I mean, yeah. Like what, what Beyonce song is it? <sighs> it's Drunken Love. Put a pin in this to revisit it next year. Pink, and let's get the party started. We're going to do definitive songs of the 80s. Let's do definitive songs of the last 25 years. <sighs> maybe we'll shoot to do it at the end of this year or next year. Yeah. And we'll do definitive songs of the last 25 maybe years. Maybe that'll be something we do is like um like a New Year's Eve special. Yeah. Like we kick off the 2025 with yeah, our definitive would, of the first 25 years. Because it would be the, the beginning of 2000 yeah, to the, the end 25. of Let's do it as New Year's special. Okay. Earmark this. Boom. And uh, man, we're going to put this on social media and have you tell us uh, what is the what is the number one song of the last 25 years? I think we're going to run the gamut when it comes to just the weirdest eclectic well, amount of we shit. we do. So when we Future did, seasons. When we did definitive songs of the 90s, we did 15 songs each for a total of 30. 30. It was a sweet spot. Yeah. When 80s will be the same. 80s will be the same. We might have to do like six songs. <laughs> 
<laughs> we might have to do the six definitive songs of the last 25 years. God damn, dude. Will we even hit it? It's not. It's bleak. I'm telling you. Shit, we'd have to throw Justin Bieber in there. Probably. For Baby. Probably. I mean, I think, you know, the problem is, again, what we discussed with 07 is, is the landscape of music change. So, like, you'd probably have, like, something like Radiohead. Bruno Mars, Uptown Funk. There you go. That one's That actually, might be number one. That one might work. But, yeah. um, but something like like a Radiohead song to some people, but it, it doesn't yeah, get airplay. It no. doesn't. You have to almost pick stuff that's mainstream known. We would have to look TikTok, YouTube, and Spotify streams, downloads. Oh my God. It's Kate, a lot. Katy Perry firework. Oh God. I mean, yeah, it's probably Dark in the Horse. Mid- I'm pretty sure when Roar came out, it was the, the most listened to song of all time. Yeah. Based on metrics of, oh yeah, of you know downloads and stuff, and that song is not good. No, it's bad. Um, so Peacock, I, Katy Perry, you wanna be my Peacock? Is cock, it a real song? Oh yeah, it's Megan Trainer. It's the one. Oh, uh, all about that bass. Yes, that's the number one song. No trouble. Yes, it's a song about ass. That's all it is. All of her songs are about ass and and. Oh God, then we're gonna get into like Nicki Minaj and yeah, uh, Megan the Stallion. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Yeah. To, to maybe I'll ask my uh, young co-worker who is um, 25 I think maybe I'll ask her and say what is the definitive song just look at her what are you down with <laughs> what is uh, she's a Swifty so okay. I'm sure she'll say something by Taylor Swift but I will be curious to see which Taylor Swift song she says yeah because what is the definitive song of your life because it literally would be She's 25. Yeah, yeah, it would be. What's the number one song of your lifetime? Fuck, when you put it like that, that's insane. Eminem, Lose Yourself. What year was that? 2002. There you go. That's it. Mom Spaghetti. What's your favorite song? Call it. Call it. Call it. What's your favorite song? Mom Spaghetti. Yeah, I can't. The the definitive song of the last 25 years can't have the lyric, Mom Spaghetti. (laughs) Vomit on his sweater already. Never again. Never again. (laughs) All right. We just just rambled. We're just hanging out at this point, and it just happens to be recording. All right. All right. Well, I'm not sure if we're going to pull an audible and do something different to be released next week. It's happening either way, but it's just a matter of whether it'll be released next week. It's something. Yeah. It's something. Or whether Yike. next week will be the, if definitive songs of the of the eighties are not, is not next week, then you'll be getting a surprise. You got something definitive next yeah, week. You do have something some definitive. definitively, possibly bad. So welcome to season 15, everyone. Uh, until next week, Silencia. Important to you, gotta make a serious decision.